You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. what's your culture, your background, you know, there's something of an idolatrous life you got to leave if you're going to follow God. Because if you're just focused on self, guess what? That's idolatry. You become your own idol. Now look, there's 10 characteristics, and if you can do the math, I can't spend a lot of time on each one. But that's the first. He left Ur of the Chaldeans, and by leaving Ur of the Chaldeans, he left an idolatrous lifestyle. He left a lifestyle that was worldly and that everybody else was into. If God called you to leave your comfort zone today, would you do it? If you're staying in the here and now, is it because you're too comfortable? Pastor Danny challenges you today to think about your life. Are your relationships or surroundings keeping you from following God's call in your life? In today's message, Pastor Danny will point out key characteristics of Abraham's faith. Abraham followed God's call, even when it meant leaving what he was familiar with. How is God calling you today? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 11 as he begins his message, Abraham's Journey of Faith. Genesis chapter 11 is where we start. And before I read the sections that I'll be noting, and I'm going to be going through some of the chapters that we're going to be reading this week and just pulling out uh, little scriptures. But before we do that, if you've been reading with us in Genesis this past week, you've covered the flood of Noah's day. God says in chapter 6 that the inclination of man's heart was evil all the time, and God brought judgment upon the ancient world. It was a universal flood. He chose Noah as a man to give an invitation for 120 years for anybody on the earth to be saved from the coming judgment. All you had to do is believe God that judgment was coming, put your faith in what he said, and get into the ark. The ark is representative of Christ. But only Noah and his immediate family got in the ark. And after the flood, they come out. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And through Noah's family, God begins to repopulate the earth. Because I want you to see this. If you can see that, these are the areas where the descendants of Noah ended up, and they became the peoples and the nations of the world after the flood. There's a point to all this, so hang with me. Japheth there at the top, Shem on the right, and down below, uh, the descendants of Ham. Well, after the flood and the repopulating of the earth, uh, man didn't learn his lesson. And God says again, man is going south against God. They gather together in a place called Babel. 
Babel. And they build a tower. It's a man-made tower. They make bricks. They don't use stone. And they're going to build a tower to the heavens to make a name for themselves. It's not a tower to worship God. It's an idolatrous thing. It's a selfish thing. And God sees what they're doing. And in order to limit now, to limit man in his fallen nature, God comes down and he says, if they're going to get together and unite and go the direction they're going, then nothing will be impossible for them. So instead of sending another judgment right away, what God does is he scatters them. And he creates different languages. Before, there was only one language. Everybody understood one another. And then all of a sudden, at the Tower of Babel, God confuses their languages so that they can't communicate to continue to build this tower. He puts a stop to it. So instead of a worldwide judgment, he just scatters them to limit what man could do in his fallen nature going away from God. And from the descendants of Noah, there is one particular group, Shem and his descendants. God could have chosen through Japheth. He could have chosen through Ham. He could have chosen any group he wanted to, but in his sovereignty, he chooses the Shemites. One descendant of Shem is named Eber. And so the descendants of Shem would ultimately become known as at least a group of them, Hebrews from Eber. And then from Shem comes a significant man, Terah. Terah. Look at chapter 11. Verse 27, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. Abram means exalted father. He would later have his name changed by God to Abraham, father of many. Last night I kept calling him Abram and Abraham in my teaching. I'm just going to call him Abraham today, okay? Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. In the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no children. That's God's plan. Terah took his son Abram, Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, a couple more scriptures. Chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. And then very significant chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham, because you'll go from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of many, because Abraham and Sarah would have a miracle child. And that miracle child, Isaac, would be representative of the future child that would be the source of the blessing to all the nations. His name is Jesus. After the flood... 
God scatters them to limit man in his fallen nature and in his plan now, he has an offer, just like in Noah's day, to be saved from a future judgment, the next one universal by fire, and it's coming. He divided the people at Babel. It means confusion. But then when Jesus came, you go to the book of Acts. This is so cool. Acts chapter 2 verse 5 says, On the day of the Feast of Pentecost, there were people there from every nation under heaven. You just go and read it. From every nation under heaven. And the Spirit comes down on the believers in Jesus and fills them with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in a supernatural language. And everybody there from all the different nations and languages heard them in their own language. Folks, the message is unmistakable. It's through the message of Jesus and the Spirit that now will come into your life, upon your life, by receiving Jesus. And all the nations can now have hope in Jesus. The language of the Spirit, the message of Jesus. I think that's pretty cool. God calls Abraham. And it's through him. And the Christ child that will ultimately come through his lineage of which Isaac is a representation of. Abraham had the same faith that I have. It's the same faith. It's faith in the Messiah. So what I've chosen to do, and it's going to be a mouthful, is pull out. Ten characteristics of of Abraham's faith and what his faith produced in his life. And they are characteristics that you and I not only can have, but we should have. What's the first? Just the first three words of chapter 12, verse 4. So Abraham left. That's it? Yep, that's the first one. Where did he leave? He left Ur of the Chaldeans. In our day of technology and computer availability, all you got to do is just Google Ur of the Chaldeans and just read a little bit, and here's what you'll find. You'll find that Ur of the Chaldeans in the ancient world was the richest area in all of the then-known world. It was the most advanced civilization, the most advanced culture. They had marketplaces, schools, libraries, and most people in Ur of the Chaldeans were very wealthy, especially compared to the rest of the world in that day. Listen up, America. And God said to Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldeans. Joshua chapter 24 Verse 2, years later, Joshua would say to all the Israelites, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, 
and Nahor lived beyond the river, or of the Chaldees, and worshipped other gods. Here's what God called Abraham to leave. He left an idolatrous world, an idolatrous lifestyle. He was an idolater. He was living for self. He was living for things this world could offer. And he was worshiping all kind of gods. Their chief god was the moon god, Nanu. And God spoke to him. And Abraham was willing to leave all that. Leave the best schools. Leave the most advanced civilization. Leave the riches of Ur of the Chaldeans. And leave, most importantly, the idolatry of Ur of the Chaldeans. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what your culture, your background, you know. There's something of an idolatrous life you got to leave if you're going to follow God. Because if you're just focused on self, guess what? That's idolatry. You become your own idol. Now look, there's ten characteristics, and if you can do the math, I can't spend a lot of time on each one. But that's the first. He left Ur of the Chaldeans, and by leaving Ur of the Chaldeans, he left an idolatrous lifestyle. He left a lifestyle that was worldly and that everybody else was into. And then you read on in verse 4, So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Listen up, senior saints. <laughs> it's never too late until it's too late. Some people think he delayed in God's call. I think, there's, I think there's evidence for that. The Lord had said to Abram, how long ago did he say to Abram? How long did it take him to finally leave? How many years did God call you before you finally said yes? Is he still calling you? Isn't it time? Before it's too late? 75 years old when he left. And here's what God said. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Second characteristic of Abraham's journey of faith. He left country, family, and people. Say, what's the distinction in all those? For us, if God called you to leave the United States of America, would you go? If God called you to leave Americans, if God called you to leave your family, he's not talking about his wife, not talking about his kids, but he is talking about leaving uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas and people that love you and that you love. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, it's no different in what Jesus said. No different than what God said to Abraham. Luke chapter 14, it's so clear. Listen to it, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's not talking about an emotional hatred. He's talking about in a comparison. Is there any relationship in life that would keep you from following the call of God? And sometimes the people that love you the most and that you love the most are the ones that are a stumbling block to keep you from following God's call. Jesus begins to tell his disciples what's going to happen. He's going to the cross. And Peter, in Peter fashion, pulls Jesus aside and has a personal counseling session with him. Lord, I want you to know, Lord, what you said is going to never happen to you as long as I'm still around. 
And Jesus turned to the disciples and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You're thinking on an earthly plane. You're thinking about just here and now in this life. you got to go beyond that. you got to be willing to not let any relationship in life, including those you love, keep you from following God's call in your life. I said it right after I was a Christian on a Sunday night service at the Manual Baptist Church in Hartsville, South Carolina. I walked forward in an invitation not to be saved. I had just gotten saved. But to say, God, I'll go anywhere you call me to go. You make it clear to me, I'll go. That was when I was 19. That was a long time ago. You know what? In my journal yesterday, I typed it in again. I said, God, if you make it clear to me, I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. If you'll make my wife go with me. I think that's fair. I'll tell you the third characteristic about Abraham's faith. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Let me pull out a couple more verses here. Verse 7 of Genesis 12. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, your seed, singular, I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 18. So Abraham moved his tents went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. Repeatedly, here's what you read about Abraham's life. He built an altar. He was an altar builder. Simple question. Where's your altar? What do you mean? Well, what is an altar? Well, for Abraham, the altar was a personal place of worship. It was where he met with God personally. In our living room, we have a double-wide recliner, my favorite piece of furniture in our house other than our bed. We got it because my wife and I can both fit in it together. We sit in it a lot together. It's one of my favorite things to do. Sat there last night and watched the new smart TV that we just bought from Sam's Club yesterday. It was a glorious Saturday evening. But I also make it a regular thing that before I sit down, and have my time of Bible reading, even though it may be brief, that chair is an altar. And why do I choose that chair? Because of the soft, nice leather, and because there's carpet in the living room, that when I kneel down at that chair, it's easier on my 62-year-old knees. (laughs) But that chair is an altar. It's a place I worship. It's a place I pray. I used to have a little place upstairs, still do, but I don't really use it anymore. Got a little desk there. God finally gave my wife the freedom to give me the freedom to put a TV in the bedroom. That's the next thing's coming. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful time in life. And I'm thinking about the area that used to be my desk, my workplace upstairs. And that was also an altar because that's where I would sit and I would read. I would write. I would journal on my computer. But now I really like the countertop since we renovated a few years ago the kitchen. And there's such a nice granite countertop there and the chairs there, high top. They're very comfortable. And so I've taken that over because I own the house. And that's an altar. When I travel, I have to stay in motels sometimes. The bed 
Usually there's carpet. And I'll make the bed an altar. You get the point. Where's your altar? You're an altar builder? Abraham was an altar builder. He made sure in, he, in his travels, he made sure that when he was going and wherever he was, he made sure he built an altar to the Lord. Number four, Abraham was a God seeker. Say, so where do you see that? Well, go back just for a minute to chapter 12 again. Go back to verse 8. The middle of verse 8, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. He's seeking God. He called on the name of the Lord. If you become a real student of the Bible, you're going to find out that God is one God, but he has lots of names. For example, Genesis 1-1, which we covered last week, when God created the, the, the universe and God created the world, uh, etc. Uh, and it says there that God did it, and the word for God is Elohim, which is interesting, it's plural. Why plural? Because he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Explain it. I can't. Believe it. I do. But he's not just Elohim. The supreme God. The only God. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? And God gives him a different name. You tell him I am. I am who I am. Different name. Not I was. Not I will be. Live in the moment. I am. I am. What do you need? I am. I am what you need right now. I'm what you need today. Whether you realize it or not, if you'll seek me, I'll give you what you need today. I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am. Oh, I can't wait till it's different. No, I am. Oh, I wish it was like it was. I am. Galatians 4, 6, he's Abba, Daddy. Sometimes you just need somebody to just run to, jump up in his arms. That's God. Genesis 16, 13, Hagar, who will be a product of Abraham and Sarah in their wrong decision in trying to fulfill God's will about this coming seed. Uh, Sarah will say, well, maybe God wants you to use Hagar, the handmaid. And Abraham will go and sleep with Hagar. The product is the son of the flesh, Ishmael. And then Sarah ends up kicking Hagar and Ishmael out of the family. And they're out in the middle of the desert. And here she is, a single mom, doesn't know where she's going, doesn't know what she's going to do, and guess what God does? He appears to her, and he reveals himself as Jehovah Roy, the God who sees. And she thought, God's not watching. God doesn't know my situation. Here I am, kicked out of the family, a single mom. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. And God reveals himself to her and said, I'll take care of you. What a God we serve. You go on through the Bible. I don't have time to give you all the names, but in Genesis 22, he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. In Exodus 17, Moses lifts up his hands as the Israelites are fighting their worst enemy, the Amalekites. He gets tired, but Aaron and her, two of his servants, come and lift his hands up, and while they lift his hands up, God gives victory. And God reveals himself there in the victory as Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. What does that mean? They would take their banner representing their tribe or their people when they go into battle. And the idea is when you go into battle, God will give you the victory. Just keep your hands lifted up. Keep seeking him. 
Pastor Danny has been walking you through several books of Scripture in a study called Gleanings from the Old Testament. He's been highlighting important stories and characters, demonstrating how they fit in God's kingdom plans. These people you've been meeting didn't have the benefit of the entire Bible to live from. They didn't know Jesus personally. They only had the promise of salvation to come. In fact, many of the people you'll continue to learn about had to trust God to fulfill the promises that He had made to them, even though they wouldn't be fully realized even in their lifetime. God continues to make promises today to you and to other faithful followers. Those things may be fulfilled while you're still alive, but it's possible that the promise is something for the future, something that you have a part in but won't see fully until you're with Him in heaven. Today, be courageous, stand firm in what the Lord has told you, and follow Him faithfully anyway. You have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, so walk it out with confidence with your Creator. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Living Word. We'd like to pray for you during this study. Would you send us an email and let us know how we can do that? Connect with us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue studying in the Old Testament right here on The Living Word.